If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I just want to say thank you so much for all of your calls, your texts, your emails to uh, our family this week. We were just blown away by your kindness. And uh, if for some reason I haven't got back to you yet, I'm sorry. Uh, it just was an overwhelming week, and uh, but I, I will do that. But thank you uh, for that. And with that in mind, it was really interesting and, and kind of uh, different to really come in this morning and think about, you know, what do I want to say? What does Holy Spirit want to communicate to us uh, as, you know, entering into my last couple of weeks with you? I'll be with you to the end of the month. And, um, you know, is there things that we need to be reminded of or there's new things that we need to learn? And, and this one really just jumped out at me because here's what I know to be true of all of us. If we don't watch out, we're held in bondage by a label of the past. And, and here's what happens. Everybody in the room and everybody online has had someone betray you, lie about you, say something mean to you, say something off color to you. And we all know that feeling. We all know that feeling of betrayal. We all know that feeling of, of someone who, whether they just intentionally said it to your face, they whispered it behind your back, it's come to you through the rumor, uh, rumor wheel, whatever that may be, a lot of us live in the present, but we're living in the present with a negative label of the past. And those may be different things. I mean, just think about it. What, what are yours? You know, some people, it's, it's the word doormat because you're the one that everybody says you're so kind, everybody walks all over you. Or it's the word naive. You're just the naive one. You, you, you know what? You'll, 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 you'll grow up. You'll figure it out. You're the irresponsible one. That's your label. You're the hothead. You're the one that's not good with money because the first time you got money, you spent it all. You are the party girl, the wild guy. Sometimes they get even more couple. You're the, you're the person that's never going to get married. Or you're the person that can't be alone. How about this one? You're really just the one that's not great at anything. Now here's what I want you to hear me say. Here's what God wants to communicate. God is more powerful and bigger than your past. And I know I said this last week, but I want to dive into it this week because the truth about you is what God says about you. And, 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 I, and I, I say that you're like, man, I know you, you say it all the time. I say it all the time because in counseling, it comes out all the time. It's it's still that label that we're holding on to. It's still my mom who said that I was a mistake and, and, and I wasn't planned. And maybe she didn't mean to hurt you, but you're carrying that. And then every time something bad happens, you go back to that comment that I really wasn't supposed to be here anyway. I'm an uh-oh. And I believe if you'll allow him, God through his power breaks through those labels that bind you. You say, well, how do you know that? Because here's what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. Therefore, and, and he's talking about here being reconciled to God. Okay? And, and let me tell you why that's important. It's important because the goal of you breaking the label that binds you is not just so that you will be better this way. 
That's a great thing. But that's not the goal. The goal is, and you'll see this, is that we'll be better this way. Because what happens is, is we begin to get bitter with the label that we've been given by someone. And then instead of taking it out on them, we start taking it out on him. So therefore, if anyone is in Christ, now this is important, right? So I want you to see this. Don't skip that because if you skip this first part, last part's not going to matter. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Now that's good. And it's good because it's his word. Okay? And if it stopped there, that'd be great. But it doesn't stop. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What an amazing word of God. If anyone is in Christ. Now, now what does that word anyone mean? It means anyone. Now, I know you're like, don't, don't be sarcastic on your way out. I'm not being sarcastic. I, I, I need you to understand because here's how our flesh works. Our flesh says, well, you're talking about them. You're talking about her. You're talking about that guy. You're not talking about me. I am talking about you. Because if anyone, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've come from, no matter how bad your past is or how good your past is. Don't, don't forget this. We tend to think that Jesus only saves the sinners. He saves the Pharisees as well. No matter how true your label is. If you are in Christ. If you have repented of your sins. If you've submitted to Jesus. You are now a new creation. But it's not just that you're a new creation. All of the old things, old labels, old habits have what? They've passed away. All things become new. And the truth is, and this is so true of so many people, you're being held back because you're believing something that someone else said about you. But what if God wants to replace your old title with a new name? Isaiah 62, 2. You shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will name. Now, here's what you're going to say. Has God ever done that before? Sure he has. Remember Abram and Sarai? A-I? Remember them? Couldn't have a baby. God said you're going to have a baby. She laughed. Remember? And then what did God say? You're going to have so many descendants, you're not even going to be able to not, to count them. And then what did he do? He changed their name. Abram is now Abraham. Sarah is now Sarah. A-I to A-H. Why? Because now their names meant father and mother of many nations. What about Jacob? He was a, his name meant swindler, trickster. God gave him a new name. His name was Israel. God will prevail. My favorite may be Gideon. Gideon, he was a judge. And at the time, when, 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 he, when we hear him, he, he's a guy who seems to be weak. He's, he, he seems to be living in fear. And the Lord sends an angel. And the Lord doesn't say, hey, Gideon. He doesn't even say, hey, weak man. You know what he says? Mighty man of valor. Now, listen, here's the truth. If Go back and look. Go back in Judges and look, when he's called mighty man of valor, he is anything but. He's not acting like a mighty man of valor. This is before the 300. 
This is before all of these things. But I love this truth. God will give you a new name. And the label that someone has put on you, you don't have to live under that name anymore. Now, the problem that the reason we don't receive that very well is because we feel unworthy of it. Not good enough. I'm not there yet. But I love the fact, and here's grace, here's sanctification. God's going to allow you to grow into your new name. He'll he'll allow you to grow into your new name. To grow into your position in Christ. Because you know what the name, you know what someone's name could be on their way out today? The new, the new meaning of a name could be forgiven. But just because you've been forgiven doesn't mean you'll feel like it. But remember, we don't live based on feelings. We live based on fact. Your feelings will catch up. Don't worry about your feelings. They'll catch up to the truth sooner than later. Some of you might get the, the spiritual or a, a new name of spiritual leader because you're going to maybe, I don't know, lead some students in, in, a, in a student small group. Or you're going to, you know, lead kids in kids church or or you're going to, I don't know, maybe lead a new Bible fellowship group. Maybe it's a dad who's going to start leading his family in a spiritual way. And of course, you know, when you, when you start thinking about that, you're like, oh, man, no, Mark, not me. Yes, you. Because you will become who God says you are if you'll surrender to him. And he wants to bestow upon you a new name. See, the reason that some of you guys aren't leading your family spiritually now, can I tell you why? Because you started one time and you didn't finish. And you're carrying around the label of someone who can't. The beauty about God giving you a new name and a new meaning to that is also what comes with that, and that's a new purpose. We don't call him Simon. We call him Peter, right? Unpredictable, undependable, wishy-washy guy. If you don't know, go back in the Gospels and you'll see Jesus meets him. Now you're a fisherman. We're not going to fish for fish anymore. You're going to fish for people. In fact, what he was saying is you're going to be a world changer. I'm going to give you a new purpose and you're going to do things that you never thought that you could do. But with the new purpose came what? A new name. In fact, in, in Matthew 16, Jesus is asking the disciples, who do people say that I am? Well, some say you're this. Some say you're that. Some say you're, you know, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Some say you're John the Baptist. Well, who do you? Who do you guys say that I am? And Simon says, well, you're, you're the Messiah. And Jesus says, you know what? You didn't come with that on your own. That was given to you. And he says, I tell you what, I'm not going to call you Simon anymore. I'm going to call you Peter. You're going to be the little rock. You're not the big rock. You're not the foundation on which everything is going to be. That's me. That's Jesus, right? But he says, you're going to be the little rock. Peter, the little rock. Now, was Peter always a rock? Nope. Did he mess up? Yep. Did he deny Jesus? But you know what he did? He grew into his name. Because after he denies Jesus, Jesus forgives him. He restores him. He says, now I want you to go and do what you were created to do. And then you get to Acts. And what happens in Acts on the day of Pentecost? Who does God choose to be the guest speaker? Peter the Rock. The one who knew what it was like to be called and fail and be restored.
And he preaches the word and 3,000 people are saved. In fact, the beginning of the New Testament church is formed. Tradition says that he died by crucifixion, but he didn't want to be crucified the way Jesus was, so he was crucified upside down. Here's the truth. Did Peter always live like a rock? No, but he died like one. And God is going to give you a new name and with that a new purpose. And you're going to grow into it because what you've got to do is take the negative, label, the negative label that has been associated to your name. And here's what you've got to understand. With the power of Christ, out of your greatest weakness can rise up God's greatest strength for your future. That's why identity is so important. If you know who he is, you'll know who you are. And out of your greatest weakness, out of that moment that you've been carrying a label, if you will allow God to bring you freedom, could come the greatest strength of your future. Because that's the other truth. A new name is a new purpose, and a new purpose gives you what? A new future. How many times have you ever thought, my life is never going to go anywhere? I'm never going to be happy, never going to be fulfilled, I'm always going to be alone, I'm always going to be miserable, I'm never going to get out of debt. I'm always going to be single. I'm always going to battle this disease on and on and on. But when you live that way, here, here's what you do. We're insulting God with faithlessness. Because we're never putting into the equation what God has the capacity to do. And just because he hasn't yet doesn't mean he won't in the future. In fact, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you what? A future and a hope. Friday night, I stepped in and this whole room was full of people. Literally. From that corner to that corner. From that corner to that corner completely sold out building and i thought to myself god thank you for the vision that's what i'm praying for you as a church i'm praying that day comes when from that corner and that corner to that corner and that corner and everything and the truth is is that i also thought how many people in this room are living in freedom or living in victory. How many people really know who they are? I think about that now. Because again, how, how many people are living under this, I am broken and because I am broken, I always will be broken. I, I, I have been in debt, therefore I'm always going to be in debt. Or I'm, I've been, I'm, in, I'm in bondage with this and I'm always going to be in, in bondage with that. But what if? What if you're going to get, let's say it's debt. What if you're going to get fanatical about it? What if, you know, you pray for the wisdom and discernment of God and, and you begin to chip away at that and chip away at that and chip away at that. And then all of a sudden, not only are you debt free, but your ministry is that to help others to become the same. Maybe you're an addict. No one knows it. And sometimes, see, the problem is, is that we know that God can take it. And the, re and the way we know God can take it is because he has. There's people in this room who have been an addict who, who didn't say, I'm going to try. They said, I'm going to surrender, and God has removed it. Now, God doesn't always do it that way. And now they help other people overcome the same things that they 
maybe would have once said, I will never be able to overcome it. By the way, if you're saying I'm never going to be able to overcome it, that's a correct statement. That's the reason why we struggle a lot. It's because we say, I don't know that I'm ever going to get out of this. No, you're not going to get out of it. If you want to get out of it, you've got to stop saying I and start saying him. You've got to surrender the I. Just remember that. Every time you start hearing a lot of I's, you're speaking to someone or you're listening to yourself. And that's someone that's in the flesh not being led by the Spirit. Because out of your weakness, God can raise up strength and give you hope and a future. I'll give you an example. Rahab the prostitute. By the way, her label is true. Now remember, in her day, there's two types of prostitutes. There's the temple prostitute who, who literally gets a little bit better, I guess, social whatever. And then there's the, there, there's the prostitute that would be the ones that would get arrested on the old TV show Cops. You know what I'm talking about? Bad boys, bad boys, what you going to do? What you going to do when they come for you? Okay. How many you are going to sing that for the rest of the day? It's going to be a blessing. Okay, now, Rahab is the one on Cops. That, that, that's who we're dealing with here. So you can just imagine how she feels, how she's viewed, probably thought I'm used goods. No one's ever going to want to marry me because, right, most guys, when you're growing up, not like I cannot wait to bring a prostitute from cops home to meet mama. Because let's be honest, mamas, you all ain't going to want that. Right? Dad's not going to approve. Mom's not going to approve. And Rahab would know that. But then here's what happens. In Joshua 2, Rahab starts hearing stories about God. This is what God's doing. Here's what the children of Israel are doing. Man, they're doing this and they're doing this. And then all of a sudden, they're spies at her door. And here's what she says to them. When we heard about your God, our hearts melted. And she takes action. She hides them. And she's saved. Her and her family, they're, they're literally saved. But if you remember back at Christmas when we talked about the genealogy of Jesus, here's the amazing thing. Rahab's a part of that. Because there was a man who was willing to take her home to mama. His name was Salmon. And not only do they, they get married, and you, then you know what you can trace through is King David comes through that line. And Jesus comes through that line. And see, some of us are burdened because we've been labeled. But then here's, here's what goes on top of that. But then we have some people who love to remind us of that label. Don't they? It's not just that I heard this label once. I hear it all the time because mama, daddy, sister, brother, aunt, uncle, co-worker, whoever. Or here's the worst one. You keep reminding you. Do you know who puts Mark down the most? This guy right here. That's who puts you down the most, not me, you. That's why you leave jobs, you leave churches, you try things differently, but it's still there. You've allowed someone, maybe even yourself, to put you in a box and put a label on it. 
And that's why I, I just so desire for you to have the freedom to know. Don't allow anybody else to say who you are. Only allow God to speak that truth. But Mark, I, well, you'll grow into it. Because notice he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. That old label has passed away and you're new. But these labels, these false identities are placed there by your flesh. They're placed there by the enemy to become obstacles. To demoralize you and to rob God of the glory of his glory in your life. But how does God want you to live? In freedom. Where does freedom come from? John says the truth. When you know the truth, the truth will set you free. I already mentioned it, but that's why we always said fact over emotion. Because what do emotions do? They drive us to places that we really don't want to go to in the first place. They're they're oftentimes fueled by reactions. And what is a reaction most of the time is an overreaction. And these emotions never bring peace. They never bring satisfaction. It's a never-ending roller coaster of the ups and downs. But the facts are truth. Adrian Rogers once said, The me I see is the me I will be. The question is, is who am I? Now, it's not a question of how do I feel. Who am I? Am I living in the truth or am I living in the emotion? See, because we, we've been only talking about what people say in a negative way, but what if everybody's blowing you up because they think you're the greatest in the world? That doesn't mean you are. So sometimes the false identity hasn't come by the bad things people have said about me, but the good ones. In fact, sometimes, you know, you, 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 might, you might preach a sermon. Everybody, that's the greatest sermon I've ever heard. Greatest sermon I've ever heard. You start walking around being like, I'm a pretty good preacher. But if you, you don't want people to tell you how bad you are, then don't let people tell you how good you are. Just don't let people say that at all and just listen to the Lord. And that way, if they say you're great, you say thank you. And if they say you're horrible, you say thank you. And you run to the Lord. And you trust in him. Because we don't want to be the people that allow these emotions to dictate everything we do. Now, you can't stop the emotion, right? Remember this. You can't stop the emotion. Your cat gets run over by a car. Some people will cheer. Some people will be sad. Okay? You can't stop that. (laughs) But here's what you can stop. You can stop that emotion from leading you to depression. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about to be emotionless. We're talking about not being controlled by them. Let me say this. Jesus didn't come to die on a cross, to rise up from the grave, so that we could just be mediocre. He came to save us and to extend his grace and mercy to us so that we would and could experience his supernatural power. It's really about us agreeing with him and letting Holy Spirit work in our lives so that we're placed on the right paths. The right ways of thinking and living. Why? Because he's enough. He's enough. 
Just trust him. He's enough. And he's in you. He's not deficient in any way or in anything. He's not lacking. And in him you have victory. In him you have abundance. In him you have eternal life. He's all powerful. See, that's who he is. And because you know who he is, then it's better than because now you can begin to know who you are. See, then when somebody says, well, you're just a mess up. No, I'm not. No, I'm created in the image of God. It's not a mess up. No, the mom and dad may not have planned it. Right? That's, a, that's a true descriptor. Mom and dad might be like, whoa, hey, hey, okay. But that doesn't mean I'm a mess up. It wasn't in mom and dad's plan, but it was in the plan of God before the foundations of the world when he called and chose me. You see the difference? When I know who he is, then I begin to understand and know who I am. That the one who has all power has called me. The one who is all-knowing has chosen me. The one who is love loves me. See, that means he doesn't love me because he had to. See, I grew up for a long time. My my story, very quickly, I got saved in 96. It it was probably, I, I don't know, six, seven years that went by until I really began to understand what surrender looked like. But it was 20 years after I got saved until I understood this idea that my identity comes from God. For 20 years, I lived with the idea and the mentality that, yes, I'm saved by grace, but I'm kept by works. Now, we don't say that. You never heard me preach that. But, but isn't that what we think? Oh, man, if you don't pray, God's going to be mad at you. If you don't read your Bible, you're not a good Christian. In fact, if you go a couple of weeks and not read your Bible, probably means you're not saved. Isn't that how we feel? We live in this bondage. We live in this, and then people say, oh, you're the one that doesn't read? You don't pray? You should read and pray. But it's I get to, not I have to. I get to be a witness. I don't have to be a witness. I get to. There's a big difference. I'm I'm not reading my Bible so that God will love me. I read my Bible because he does. It's it's sort of like my wife. I, I, I get to hang out with my wife. I don't have to. I can go the rest of the day and not talk to her if I want to. It wouldn't be very smart. I, I get to. I get to hang out with her the rest of the day. Do you see the difference? And, and here's why I say that, and then I'll land it. In that 20 years, here was my thought. And in that 20 years, here was my goal. One day, I'll summit the Mount Everest of guilt. And one day, I'll have victory. And then all of a sudden, when this truth became real in my life, I realized I'm already there. Can you imagine? This is my prayer. I hope this will happen to somebody. See, can you imagine just thinking about, man, that's a big mountain. It's cold. It's hard. You gotta, you, you, you gotta, you gotta buy the appropriate equipment. You, you gotta, you gotta train. You, you can only go up a certain amount of time at a, you know, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden, but then all of a sudden you realize I'm already on, I'm already there. 
sell the hiking gear. Because you don't need it. You don't need it. See, there's the freedom that comes. You don't have to train to climb. Because you're already there. If you're in Christ. Because he already summited the guilt. And he paid it in full. And because he summited and paid, you don't have to. And when you begin to realize, don't live out of the label, live out of his identity. Live out of this fact of, hey, you're no longer alive. You died. And that's a good thing. The old you that was powerless, the old you that was dead, he died. And now his life is being lived through you. That's the identity that you want. Now let me answer this question and we're done. Because then the thought, okay, Mark, I get it. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. But then what then do I do with my past? Give it to God. Just surrender it. And forgive. I'll never forget. I, I, remember, I remember Dr. Tony Crisp saying it. And I've never forgotten it since he said it. Forgiveness is you paying the debt and allowing the other person to go free. I'll never forget it. See, you pay the debt and allow the other person to go free, not because they deserve it, but because you don't want to live in a prison of bitterness. You forgive and allow the other person to go free because you believe, because when you know who he is, remember, you know who you are, and you know that if you forgive because you know him, that God's a better justice maker than you are. See, that's why we don't forgive. We want to be the one to hand out the justice, don't we? I mean, my flesh, that's what I want. If you hurt me, I don't want to forgive you. I want to come up with a plan to get revenge. But here's the problem with revenge. Revenge never ends. Because when I get revenge on you, what are you going to do? You're going to turn around and get revenge on me. What am I going to do? Turn around and get revenge on you. And then what's going to happen? It's just going to explode. But I don't want to live in that. I don't want to live in that prison. So here's what I'm going to do. And why do I do that? Because that's the model that Jesus gave me. Can, could any, could, does anybody have the arrogance to stand up and say you deserve the forgiveness that you got in Jesus? <laughs> Just in case it was literal. No. No one could stand up and be like, I did, I deserved it. No, you don't. Your self-righteousness just condemned you. So it's not about the forgiveness that comes because you earn it. It comes because that's what Christ calls us to do. Because that's what he did. So what do I do with that hurt? Mark, you don't understand the hurt. No, you don't. I don't. But I understand what it's like to be abused because I was. I know what it's like to be betrayed. I know what it's like to have people post stuff about you on social media and won't come and talk to you face to face. I know what all that's about. I've been lied about. Have you been lied about? You have. Have you been betrayed? You have. Somebody's probably posted something about you on social media. And it hurts, doesn't it? We've all had that. And in, 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 our, in our nature, what do we want to do? As guys, we probably want to fight, right? Let's just go out back. I'll tell you what, that's how we'll just go back to the days of the fisticuffs and whoever wins, wins. But you really don't win. You don't even feel good about yourself. But you can overcome. You failed, 
And you keep calling yourself a failure. But you're not a failure. Let's be a little bit more honest. Some people, maybe in the room, you committed adultery, but you keep calling yourself an adulterer. It describes what you've done, and I'm not minimizing the sin. But you've heard me say it a million times. You you get up and say, I'm a sinner saved by grace, and everybody will amen you. But it's a terrible identity. It's just terrible. Because a sinner saved by grace does what? Sins. Sorry, guys. I know I said it last week, but I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And guess what? I'll probably say the same thing next week. That's what I do. But don't worry. I got the grace card back here, and I just swap her, and God forgets me. By the way, you should probably read Romans 6 because it says God forbid us do that. But when we don't understand the identity, we start feeling guilty about what we've done. Or we feel guilty because we haven't overcome. And then what does the guilt do? It turns into shame. You know the difference? Remember? Guilt says, I've done something wrong. Shame says, I am the wrong. And we keep trying to once again pay a debt that's already been paid. Climb a mountain that if you'll just stop and realize you're already there. Let me close with this. Paul says in Philippians three twelve through 14, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved all these things. In other words, he's saying I'm, I'm, not, I'm not perfect, but I press on. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. He says, brethren, I don't, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I looked this, and you know what that word forget in Greek means? To treat with thoughtless attention, to willingly neglect, to leave behind intentionally, to banish from one's thought, to disregard on purpose. And here's the last one. To cease remembering. I just wonder who could gain some freedom today by ceasing to remember the negative label that someone's put on your past. I just wonder if we would just give careless inattention to those negative things and believe the truth that in Christ you're a new creation. That in Christ all the old things have passed away. Now listen. Those things have consequences. Those consequences may not disappear. Because the consequences are going to do what? It affects this. Remember I said that at the beginning? But if you believe that you're a new creation, that the old things have passed away, you're no longer going to say, God, why? But you're going to believe that you're the new. You're called, you're chosen, you're loved, and you're complete. And I don't know what will be taught to you from here on out, but that's the truth of the Word of God.
you may never be reminded of it again. And your flesh will always argue, because it is, I can see it in some of your eyes, I'm not complete. And whatever that thought that's in your mind, here's how you answer it. That's real, but it's not true. No, it's real. Right? So you're saying you're not complete because on the way here someone cut you off and in your mind you either flipped them a bird or you wanted to. Said a cuss word yesterday because you stubbed your toe. Whatever you want to put in there. And that's why you want to argue with me that you're not complete. And that really happened. But it's not the truth about you because that's not what he says. And in Christ, you're new. And all the old things have passed away. Let's pray together. As Tom and the band come, I just want us to have a moment to sit in that for just a moment. We're going to stand and have a time to sing. And maybe that's the response. It's just with your heart, give God the worship that He's due. Or maybe... It's during this time that you just want to say, Holy Spirit, I want to surrender this negative label that I've been holding on to for a long time. Because here's the truth. It's affecting what you've done or what you're doing. I used to sing in a gospel quartet all the time. And someone that I loved and trusted, I asked one time after the concert, what would you think? And basically the comment was, You're not a good singer. So you know what I did? I quit. In fact, until a couple of years ago, maybe sang a handful of times. Oh, but there's a song in my heart. Don't get me wrong. You can ask my family that. If you're around me, you've probably heard me hum or whistle or sing. I can't stop. It's always in there. But for many years, I let a comment, a negative label, stop me from giving God the glory that he deserved with a gift that he had given me. And it's silly, isn't it? Like when you think back, I, mean, I kind of want to go back in time to that kid and just say, really? You're going to stop singing because someone said that? And they didn't really even say you can't sing. You took that and changed it into that. But that's how it works. And so maybe this morning, that's what you need to do is just say, I'm not going to listen to that. Whether it was true or not true, I'm going to listen to him. Maybe you're here, maybe you're online. And maybe just the thought of the beauty of a father who loves us that wants to make things new as you have been hearing about God. Maybe today, maybe from weeks ago, you realize that maybe your heart's starting to melt as well too. All of these things that you've been holding, you're like, you know what, I, I felt like a couple of weeks ago I came in with a, a lot of obstacles and a lot of questions and a, a lot of things that I could prove. And all of a sudden I'm looking down and realizing they've all melted out of my fingers. Or maybe you just want to come and talk to one of us about becoming a Christian, whatever that it looks like. Coming to join this church. Why would I want to come join the church now? Because it's a great place. That God's doing great things. And a place where God is going to continue 
to do even greater things than we could ever hope for or imagine. Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray that you move in our hearts, speak into us, give us boldness to reply. Whether that's walking an aisle, whether that's grabbing a a phone or a computer or a tablet and sending an email because we're not in the building or we are in the building and we're just nervous about coming forward. Sending an info at Chihuahua Hills, making a phone call this week, talking to the person next to us, talking to a pastor after service, whatever it may be. Father, help us to see that we are who you say we are. That we would know the truth and the truth would set us free. In Jesus' name. And amen. Let's stand together.